Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. We're back. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. Good morning. My co-host and sidekick and son-in-law, Kirk Reed, sitting here this morning, and we're pontificating, preaching. What do you want to call this activity here? Educating. Educating. Best. Thank you very much. Folks, we're discussing some of the articles that pop up in the financial media because maybe we hope you can learn a few things that might make some sense or save a few dollars or not make any mistakes, financially speaking. And if you were just tuned in, I was teeing off on a very non-street smart smart person with three degrees who is a financial disaster. And I will spend a little bit more time doing that because as a former former educator and watching kids grow up and stuff like that, the kids are our future. And this college education, college costing is mess is it has messed up and is going to mess. All the college aid in the news about forgiving loans. Yeah, there's so many people that made mistakes. Uh, whatever. L- let me. If you just tuned in with us, I'm going to try to calm down a little bit and basically <laughs> say so. There's this 59 year old woman who has three degrees. Okay, earning sixty thousand dollars a year. Okay, no savings, no nothing, okay, and basically wants to know if she's going to be okay in retirement. And $250,000 of debt. I'm sorry, thank you, and $250,000 of debt. Student loan debt. Yeah, yeah. By the way, okay, so if she called me, I would obviously be polite because I don't, but she is a disaster and her retirement is toast. That would be, that's how I would start, okay, and let me back up into that. So here are, and the point of this, folks, is, If you've got kids in high school going to college, talk to them about a real degree that's going to allow them to live their lives. And if they have some kind of a passion that leads to an interest that the money is not so good, you have some work to do. They can certainly do a minor in whatever it is in college. But if you're going to pay seventy or $80,000 of your money or put your kids in some kind of hawk, okay, or for the rest of their life because it's their lives, if you're going to do that, maybe you ought to think going forward what their lives are going to look. If their lives look like this lady, this is a perfect example of why you get motivated about that given the circumstances. Her degrees, hang on a second. I don't even, I can't even say this word. Okay. The first was in multidisciplinary studies, comma, criminal justice and religion. That's a major, okay. The second was a master's in accounting. Okay. Yeah, that's good. And the third was a master's of divinity in theology and hermeneutics. I have no idea. H-E-R. M-E-N-E-U-T-I-C-S. You're looking that up for me, please. I'll try to, yeah. I feel absolutely ignorant, okay, not knowing that, <laughs> that word, but not too badly about it. Anyway, moving along. So 
this lady has three degrees. She's 59. Apparently, she's reasonably right, but perhaps not real-world smart or street smart, okay, because she has no savings. Okay, she earns $60,000 a year. She has $250,000 of debt. Okay, what is wrong with this picture? She is a walking billboard. Forget your kids serious about if they're going to go to college, major in something that they can earn a living for the rest of their lives. Is it? Is it? It's H-E-R-M-E-N-E-U-T-I-C-S? You got it. What is it? It's the branch of knowledge that deals with interpretation, especially of the Bible. That sounds like high-earning yeah. material yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Th- th- there you go. Okay. So, by the way, uh, you know, the other thing, and I, I'm not picking on it, her, but... It I'm, has its place. Okay, yeah. I, yeah, but it doesn't have its money. <laughs> I'm not picking on her. I'm picking on yes. the situation yes. here. So whoever you are, she's probably not listening anyway, but she messed up her life. Okay, how... We're almost as big as Dave Ramsey. She probably is listening. Yeah, yeah. She just took a look at her financial statement, figured out she had a quarter million dollars worth of things at age 59. Okay, so, so she, th- this lady is either really, what's the word? I want. I don't want to use the word stupid. Okay. <laughs> you already put it out there. This lady is ignorant about financial affairs and or clueless. She's smart about a lot of things, but maybe not smart about some of the stuff that provides you with surviving through life, okay? I, I once heard a long time ago, I'll never forget this, sometimes it takes a really bright person to make a really big mistake. Mm. I'd put her, I don't know how really bright she is, but I'd put her in that category. Just to, just, and maybe to defend her briefly, just good, to, good luck to, with to, that take, to, to take the counter, <laughs> not defend her, but I was going to say, uh, how often do you meet somebody that's really smart in one area yeah. and then terrible with money? Yeah, and, and, and if you and, don't know yeah. that, go hire somebody. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah but, agreed. But there does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we see the opposite quite a bit, too. Yeah. This lady has somehow managed to survive through life, okay? And now she's she she wakes up at 59, looks at the financial statement, and says, I hate this debt. How can, what am I going to do? And she's earning $60,000 a year. By the way, off air, we were talking. She has a job in logistics. I don't know what that is, but that could be any number of, of jobs. That's pretty, right? pretty vague. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I, I obviously, I feel badly in one respect for her personally, but she is a walking billboard, folks. A walking billboard for... She, she, we do know she does not have a degree in logistics. Okay, that... that <laughs> oh, don't go there, okay? <laughs> anyway, uh, so here's the moral of the story. And I'm sorry, I don't usually get really emotional, but you're, the kids are the future. Look at the headlines. There's a whole bunch of kids these days with college costs that they can't afford to pay. Hello, do you want your kiddo to be in the same place? If I'm talking to the parent. No, no you don't. Oh, I want to be an artist. I want to be a singer. I love... I Great, okay? You got to earn a living, and whether you like it or not, there's somehow that you got to come up with a career. By the way, so how do you deal with that? You go to a college, a state school, get a liberal arts education, sample a lot of different things, and maybe you figure it out by the time you get out of the state school about a kind of an area or that you might like to explore that you could actually make money from. But the end result of folks like this lady is her life is absolutely toast and miserable. She didn't mention she was married. She's probably a single lady. She probably took on a whole bunch of loans for whatever. Good for her. Did all the right things as a parent. Did all the wrong things financially. Okay. And if you've got folks hit, folks, if you've got kids heading off to college or there now, they need, if you're going to spend the money for that, by the way, going to electrician school is probably a lot cheaper than college and a lot more rewarding for many folks. If you're going to spend the money for college, get your money's worth out of it, but make sure your kids are truly in a position to be able to support themselves financially somewhere along. Yeah, and, and look around. 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I was just going to say, I don't know what that process looks like today yeah. as far as when you meet with a guidance counselor in high school. About, oh, yeah. Uh, it was 20, I did it 20, 25 years ago. Whatever, yeah. So I don't remember what I what my process was. I hope was, they're not still in the ivory tower. I don't, I don't, so I don't know. Okay. Did they spend any time on the math as far as like student loans yeah. or did they talk about that at, at all? I, I don't know. Or do or do parents? I don't know. Yeah, that, that's the other thing. Yeah, I... All right, I, we have to leave that subject. But okay. Please, right. oh, oh, blow please. A gasket, yeah, yeah, yeah it, parents, it might mess up your reti- retirement. How many kids you got, and how much loans you're going to take off? It, it may well probably mess up or seriously affect your retirement. But think about your kids and their future lives. If they're not with it, kick them. Do what you have to do as a parent to get them start thinking about it. Because you know, it, 16, 17, 18, 19, Who knows what you want to do with the rest of your life? What two percent of that number? One. Pretty small. Yeah, pretty small. Okay, I'm going to take a break and move along here. Okay, let's go to something equally depressing here for a moment. How's that? <laughs> Want to switch gears, huh? <laughs> I, I shouldn't have had that cup of coffee here. Hang on a second. Where's that one I wanted to chat with you about here? Okay, let's see. This one, state planning. Okay. Oh, yeah, here we go. Changing the subject. Okay, so now you're out of college, you've supported yourself all throughout your life, and now you're worried about long-term care costs and nursing mm. homes. Mm. Okay, so this is through Yahoo Finance, an article by Mark Hendricks in 2023, and it's entitled, How to Protect Your Assets from Medicaid. Okay, so now we've got all the 60, 50, 60s, and 70-year-olders out there paying attention. Okay, so Medicaid can pay for long-term care if you meet its means testing restrictions. The federal slash state program is designed to help only people of limited financial means. However, people with more substantial assets can use three different strategies to shield those assets from Medicaid and to ensure their eligibility for long-term care benefits. Okay? So... Before I go any further, okay, how, I'm worried about a nursing home and the long-term care and all that stuff. If you have money, to, enough money to worry about, this article is for you. If you don't have enough money to worry about, there's unfortunately, you'll probably qualify for Medicaid. And by the way, you don't want to, one of your goals in life, folks, is not to qualify for Medicaid, okay? But you, p- p- please, believe me. Okay, let's see. What is long-term care? Do we want to go there? No. I don't know. You need nah, to. No, yeah. Okay, so skilled nursing, nursing homes, assisted living, adult daycare, homemaker services, home health aides. Okay, how to pay for long-term care? Pay it out of your own money. Pay as you go. Okay, purchase the insurance for long-term care. Okay, Medicare in some instances. Medicare is only for rehab for certain periods of time. Right, so it doesn't, pre- yeah. yeah. If, and there, obviously there's confusion between what is Medicare and yeah. what is Medicaid. Oh, yeah, everybody and, confuses that. Yeah. yeah, and Medicare is just health insurance for the, the government for people 65 and older, yeah. typically. And Medicaid but, is disaster but, health but, insurance. But yeah, so Medi- yeah, yeah, so Medicare does not cover yeah. long-term care insurance, and I think yep. that's a common misconception. Yeah, okay. Okay, and so Medicaid. So here, in order to qualify for Medicaid, let, let me read this. So, folks, here's why you don't want to have a life's goal is qualifying for Medicaid. To get benefits, however, you need to meet Medicaid's means testing requirements. These vary from state to state, but generally require recipients to have no more than $2,000 in assets 
hello, and income amounting to no more than twice the federal poverty level. Okay? Which, yeah, 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 folks, that's yeah. not a financial goal for right. you or your kids going to college next week. Okay, thing. Okay, so moving along. Okay, so there's, for folks who have money that they're worried about, okay, there, there are three cited three solutions here and we want to spend a little time on them because yeah, they're correct. People just need to know that stuff. So a Medicaid asset protection trust. Okay. okay. By setting up an irrevocable, he emphasized that word, irrevocable trust and transferring it into and transferring into it any assets in excess of Medicaid financial limits, you can effectively shield those assets from the program's fines and other penalties. One issue here is that assets cannot be transferred back out of a Medicaid trust. So you have lost control, he emphasizes the word control, of them forever. Also, looking the look back period applies and trusts can be expensive to set up so they are less useful for smaller estates. Would you kindly do a brief summary of that before we move on? Yeah. Going back, to, first point is, yeah, so if this is for people that do have money, yeah. but they're trying to make it look like they don't have I money. I want to hide my they money. Hide their money. Let's be honest here. So yeah. they can qualify for Medicaid. Yeah. And so there is a certain type of trust you can set up. In this case, it's irrevocable, meaning it cannot be changed or reversed. And so whatever asset you put into there, you're giving up control. You gave it away. You gave it away. You have no access to it. And therefore, that's why it can be considered not yours. But you also have to do it five years ahead of time, which means you got to plan ahead. So you can't just one day, yo, I'm going to have to go into a nursing home and then do it. You can't do that. Yeah. The week before you found, the week after you found out that you had to go, not the time to start looking into that. You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And you really can't leave yourself much of anything else in order to qualify. Yeah, maybe we take these pieces of time to talk about before we move on. Yeah, so uh, an irrevocable trust is a box. You put your stuff you want to hide in there. Okay, simple as that. Okay, and hope that nothing happens in five years and hope that the state of Massachusetts doesn't decide to crack irrevocable trusts, which are currently not... They're ignored in terms of people. The state of Massachusetts, I don't think, chases down money in irrevocable trusts, or, or attorneys wouldn't be talking about that sort but, of thing. Okay. But I think, yeah, wait, yeah that's a yeah. whole other story. Yeah. No, I understand. Yeah, so yeah. you put your money in this trust, you gave it away, you don't control it, you have to name a benef- you have to name a trustee to control it that's not you, one of your kids probably, or something like that. Okay. And it's off the table if five years goes by. Okay. Sometimes you solve one problem, maybe, and create another problem, maybe. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll just, I won't belabor this, but the biggest problem I have with doing that is, so you make a bet. By the way, people would put their home in that trust. That's the most common thing. Oh, I put my home in there. It's safe. So you made a bet that you would might go into a nursing home and you protected the home for your kids, by the way, not, not for yourself. Okay. And you don't go into a nursing home, but you run out of money and you have to put a reverse mortgage on your house. You can't put a reverse mortgage on an irrevocable trust. Okay, we have seen a number of folks in our careers who chose to do that to protect the home, and they ran out of money, and 
where do you go if you can't you can't sell your house and use the proceeds or can't put a reverse mortgage on so make a bet to protect against long-term care live long enough to regret it and run out of money and not have any assets there's a number of other disadvantages but it is truly one way to do it if you have enough money to do that and live on outside of that if you want to put your home in a medicare trust and you can live perfectly comfortable medicaid trust and live perfectly comfortable on the rest of your money over here for whatever great have you, you protected it but if that's all you got and you're worried about preserving it for your kids you may shoot yourself in the mm-hmm. foot from a retirement point of view okay takes a slow breath okay and goes to number two okay and this is probably a little more cute here and i and we'll go with this this is called a life estate folks okay a life estate allows you to own real estate jointly with someone else like your spouse or your kid or whatever and have it passed to them upon your death okay sounds good so far this can exclude the value of the family home from Medicaid's means test. Oh, good. I can hang on to the house if I have a life estate, single elderly person, one kid. If I have a life estate with Susie. Okay. All right. That's cool. Okay. Okay. Life estates are like Medicaid trusts, irrevocable. He emphasized the word irrevocable. So you can't change your mind and regain control. He emphasized the word control of the real estate. Medicaid's five-year look back rules also apply. So it's necessary to plan ahead. So there you go. Okay. And folks, don't call us about that. Talk with your attorney about that if that's something that makes sense. But that looks like uh, you still gave your house away. Okay. That might be a little less painful than an irrevocable trust, but that's an attorney discussion, not for this show, that's for sure. But it is certainly a possibility, but you still have to deal with that look-back period. Have you had anybody do that? I can't remember. I was going to say, yeah, I've talked to attorneys that have done life estates for our clients okay. as opposed to an irrevocable trust. Okay. And, and But I'm going to be, honestly, I don't remember all the pros and cons yeah. of one versus the other, yeah. but I know that they can potentially be substitutes for each other yeah. depending on the okay. situation. Yeah. But that's, but that, again, that's not our, that's not our area. So both of these, the irrevocable trust called a Medicaid trust or the life estate, they're both possibilities. But folks, you get a thought Thoroughly research the yin and the yang and the goods and the bads and the implications and what it all means. And if you do all that, you make a choice. Great. Yeah, I think. It, yeah, I think it depends yeah. on if, if you're married, if you're not married, depends yeah. on how what you have for assets. Yeah. If it's if all you have is yeah. the home, if you got other, it really it depends. Yeah. And that's attorneys, accountants, and financial advisors. Their favorite answer. It depends. Sure. Okay. Move yep. on. Okay. Yep. And we're almost going to time this. I can't believe this. Okay. So the last one. Okay. The other is a Medicaid annuity. Already, here we go. An annuity designed to comply with local Medicaid rules can be excluded from your assets for means testing. By the way, this means putting money in an annuity and giving it away, by the way, but that's okay. Okay, someone who needs long-term care unexpectedly can transfer part of their assets to a relative, okay, which will likely trigger a look-back period. Okay, so I got to pile of money. I want to protect some of it. I send some of it to my my daughter, Susie. Okay, she's got the money. All of a sudden now, if there is a nursing home, the five-year look back is triggered. Okay, so let's see. So what happens from there? They can use the remainder of their assets. Remember, you gave away part of your assets. You take the remainder of your money to purchase a Medicaid annuity that generates enough monthly income 
to cover the long-term care costs until the penalty period expires, okay? Annuities are expensive, however, and some states limit their use for this purpose, okay? So the, I won't say the game, so the strategy, folks, is you give away this half of your money over there, okay? <clears throat> and let's see, in Massachusetts, what is it, a buck and a half in a nursing home these days? What was the last number we've seen here? A year, yeah. 150000 a year. I think that's yeah. in the ballpark. Yeah, okay, yeah. so let's use three years in a nursing home. So let's see, $450,000 is, no, five years, five years years is what five times seven fifty right mm. yep scary number folks yep. okay so in this case she gave away her $750,000 home in a, to her daughter. Okay, trigger the look back, look back rule. You take the $750,000, okay, you, you give it to an insurance company, it's gone. They turn around and give you income every month, okay, that would cover $750,000 of expenses right. over that five years, okay? So you got an income stream that's higher than what you need and you're not using, so you're getting some of your money back and that's all good, and you bought your way to the end of that look back period. So in this case, on the example, it cost you half, but at least you saved half. So okay. this, yeah, so that, so the third one is basically, you're not planning ahead, yeah, uh, yeah. but it's a little bit of a workaround. Yeah. It's, still, it's not perfect, none of them are perfect, but. Uh, yeah, but in this example, you had to have a million five, okay, to make that work. Yeah. Five, to cover five years of expenses in a nursing home, even if you don't go, <laughs> yeah, it's what, $10,000 a month easily, yeah. right? Sort of thing. Okay, and so the good news is you, when you gave that money away to the annuity, it's gone, but it's coming back over the next uh, basically five years. And if you don't need any of it, then you've got a bunch of money you can live on from there. But uh, when that money runs out, then if you're still alive, okay, at the end of those five years, and that money is, that annuity is dead, hopefully you saved enough money to be okay for the rest of your time. The other thing here is Protect yourself, leave something for your kids. Protect yourself, leave something for your kids. Where do you come out on that square sort of a thing? And the answer is, it's a. it depends on finances and family. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. We're back. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on Money. Good morning, and I'm having a whole lot of fun here this morning, I got to tell you. Deep breaths. This deep, is, deep breaths. This is better than vacation, I got to <laughs> tell you. One of those things. Folks, we're, my son-in-law and business partner, Kirk's Keep Me Company this morning, and we were making some commentary on some financial articles uh, for the reason of hopefully getting a few people listening to us a bit smarter about their lives there. So sometimes I get a little emotional about that, but hey, that's okay. All right, so you're going to love this. This is going to be a great way. I, we need another two hours for this I one. Okay, you ready? Okay. <laughs> we only have about 20 minutes, but we need another couple hours. Okay, so I love this. Again, an article, another article from Yahoo Finance, okay? And it is, the title is, Early Retirement Devotees. I think that's how you say that, devotees, devotees, I, uh, whatever. I think I, you have some leeway there. I was trying to sound like academic okay. pronouncing that. Let me try it again. Early retirement devotees rethink assumptions after dicey times. You know where this is going, right? Interesting. Are these the fire folks? Thank you. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, yes, probably the poster child. 
for a th- fire, folks. Okay. okay. I, this is, uh, we're going to have fun. Okay. So anyway, the article is written by Dylan Kroll. And again, this was in April. When Sam Dogan retired in 2012, he was 34. Say that again? <laughs> you're already unsuccessful in your life. I could have, I could have been retired yeah, for right, eight guy, years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're eight years behind this guy. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> Look, some people are just naturally underachievers. I got it. Okay. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> anyway, um, let me attempt to start that again more seriously here. Okay. When Sam Dogan retired in 2012, he was just 34. An early member of the Financial Independence Retire Early or FIRE Fire. movement. He dedicated his time to travel and working on his blog, Financial Samurai. Oh. Okay, among other pursuits. By the way, as a note, okay. I read the Financial Samurai. Do you? I don't read a lot of things. Yeah. Okay, I do that I need to. This is a bright guy. He's had a lot of interesting thoughts over the years and charts and tables. He's also off the wall in a few places, as far as I'm concerned. But who isn't? But anyway, bright guy. And if he's plugged in on one of my take a look at once in a while things, I have some respect for this guy. Anyway, he muffed up. Uh-oh. Oh, I was the best. <laughs> he's the poster child for the fire. Yeah. And he muffed up. Okay, so let's see here. Here we go. But now, the early retirement pioneer is going back to work. The 529 education accounts he set up for his children, born in 2017 and 2019... This guy's old and got really young kids, right? Huh? Think about that. He was 34 when he was retired. Okay. Anyway, mm. the, 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 these 529s took heavy hits when the bond market performed badly in 2022. Okay. Apparently, he wasn't diversified enough there, okay. maybe. All right. We'll see how that goes. Now, as he eyes the future, he's worried about his investments and that they won't cover the costs of their education. So, he's decided to find a job to supplement his income. Okay. There's all these variables that are unknown, Dogan said. It really seems like it's dicey times right now, and it always feels better to take action instead of just count on luck with thing. Okay. The fire movement. Let me get that again. It's called the. Okay. So the fire. It's the financial independence retire early fire. Got it. Okay. My, my short story is, what are you thinking? But that's another, we'll get back to that. So anyway, the FIRE movement emerged in the 2010s, offering Americans a path to early retirement. But post-COVID, the bear market has jeopardized Americans' investment, and high inflation has decreased the purchasing power of their savings. Consequently, many participants in the FIRE movement are re-examining their early retirement plans. By the way, if you're in the fire movement and haven't retired yet, stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's see. Where shall I go with this? Okay, blindsided. Need to be (laughs) planning for three inflation. Still has to do. Now, we'll just start translating here. Oh, rethinking the 4% rule. The fire movement That's right. That's the other piece. The fire movement, like other retirees, have traditionally followed 
the 4% rule. That's the percentage they plan to spend from their portfolio during the first year of retirement in the following years they adjust for inflation. <clears throat> but according to a financial planner named Senegirati, it might be time for early retirees to adopt a different approach. Applying, he says, a need for a bit more savings, a, a bit more accumulation because of inflation. How much money can you save in 10 or 15 years? Right, we, got, we got enough to spend some yeah. time with it. There's a, this is a longer article. So there's so many pieces in here that are just, it's unbelievable. Okay. So we spent probably the first half an hour of the show politely suggesting okay, that, that most people listening to this show could not save enough money in retirement to live off just their dividends and their interest. I, I think the presumption in that discussion was that you worked for 40 or 45 years before you did that. You get out of college at 22, you get to 65, that, that's at least 43 yeah, years. 40 years, yeah. roughly, yeah. 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 So the first half hour of the show where we were having some fun talking about that, okay, yeah, the assumption was, hey, folks, folks who work 44 years, the vast majority of them can't have enough money collected to just live on the dividends and their interest, okay? Folks who who work for 10 or 12, okay, they might have a bit more of a challenge yeah. to do that sort of a thing, okay? Okay. Because typically... Just, just maybe, they typical, might have to... Typically, when, when you're young, your income's lower, right? So Tim, there's, there's, Tim, are you retired yet? No, what? I'm seven years behind you, this you, guy. You're behind too, huh? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, my condolences, oh, Tim. thank I, you. I, remind me for not hanging around with you anymore. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I don't know about this early retirement thing because when you retire sometimes, it's yeah. like, what do you do with yourself? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, unless you keep yeah. busy, exercise, and maybe work part time, you might get fat, old, and die fast. It's exactly. Po possibility. Maybe, yeah. that, maybe that's part of the plan. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, the big picture, folks, is that for regular folks, I like to think this show is mostly for regular folks who work 40 or 45 years and save, the vast majority of those regular folks can't save enough to just live on the dividends and interest. That's okay, because as long as you have a portfolio that grows some, you can make that work probably. But so if the vast majority of people can't do that in 44 years, okay, anybody that even starts talking about retiring at 35 or so, uh, I, I, yeah. If I was king, I would outlaw these articles <laughs> on fire because it's just there are a bunch of young folks who could suck onto these ideas and start planning. And then and this is a guy who's a very bright guy who probably has a fairly good slug of money, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. okay? And by the way, he's big into property and owning investment income for rent. More power to him. Okay, but if a very bright guy who probably has more money than 95% of the folks listening to the show, if a very bright guy retires at 34 and is going back to work, th there's a message there uh, about just maybe that's an extremely high hurdle and the amount of people that jump over that, you probably know one. We were talking earlier. About oh, yeah. The percentage of, how shall I say this without getting too emotional? The percentage. <laughs> <laughs> the percentage of people who could retire comfortably, okay, saving for 45 years is meager, but it's significantly higher than the percentage of people who retire at 29 to 30 or 35 or whatever number before that. For all those so, so stars to align, it sounds uh, like it's going to uh, be uh, yeah, uh, the percent uh, less, yeah, obviously less than 1%, and it's yeah. just small numbers. you got to be yeah. probably super smart yeah, yeah. and super motivated. Yeah, yeah. And you got to be both of those things, yeah, yeah. and, and you got to do that for... And you got to make a ton of money. Yeah, you got to make a lot of money, <laughs> you and you got to save a lot of it. Yeah, yeah you got to save a lot of it. Okay, and by the way, 
I'm pretty certain that this guy fits that category. Yeah. But he's got an oopsie here, yeah. okay? And that's that, that's our point, okay, a thing. So it's, I don't know how big the fire movement is, but I hope it's not large. Maybe these days I wonder about how many people actually do this, that, and the other thing on the internet. It could be 10 people in North Dakota doing the fire movement. I, who, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. But it is stupid, okay? If I were king, I would literally outlaw all articles that encourage people to do this because the number of people whose lives could get messed up doing this is just scary thing. Okay? It's, yeah, it's a dream. It, it, it is, okay. So what are the difficulties, okay? Let's see. For the folks who normally... The, for the non-fire movement folks, most of the world, I certainly hope, okay... One of the things about retirement is that at least you have some guaranteed income coming in the form of Social Security, okay, when you retire, okay? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking about, these people that are retiring, they didn't even, they might have even paid up Social Security. Yeah, there's not much Social Security there, okay? But anyway, so, yeah, we can get into a discussion about whether you take it at 62 or whatever, okay? But my point is that most folks, very few folks have a pension anymore unless you're a public sector teacher, fire, police, God bless them, they're going to love those pensions. But anyway, for everybody that doesn't have a pension, you have Social Security. I think I just read the other day that for the average American, they get one-third of their income from Social Security. Okay. If that's the case, then two-thirds of the income comes in a retirement plan. Yeah. Okay? Sounds about right. Yeah, actually, it doesn't. Okay. But anyways, but my point is, at least you have some guaranteed income in the equation. Okay, if you worked for 35 or 40 years, you probably had time to get nervous the last 10 or 15 and at least adjust to try to get, when you start thinking about retirement, you did that earlier and had some time to plan for it, even though maybe you should have planned better when you were 20 as opposed to 50. At least mm-hmm. they're thinking about it. If you're 29 and hop on the fire movement, you don't have time, much time to think about it or plan for it, I think, if your goal is to do this, that, and the other thing. But anyway, so there's no, these fire folks the Social Security is bupkis because they only contributed to Social Security for, what, five years, eight years, ten years? Ten, ten years is, yeah, ten years yeah. is the minimum. you got to have at least ten yeah. years. If, is it, they use the last 35 years, I, I forget the latest calculation. Yeah, that's right. 35 years. So, yeah, 35 years. Yeah, so Social Security says, how much are we going to give this, this guy? We're going to take his last 35 years of income and average it. If you earned, if you worked for 10 yeah. and had zero for 25, there's 25 zeros in that calculation. Correct. Whatever you earn. And you couldn't, so there's Social Security is non-existent. So they're, first of all, slicing their throat, okay, on Social Security income somewhere down the line. And by the way, Social Security income is only a third for the folks who are everyday folks who mm-hmm. did it regularly thing. It, I can't even wrap my arms around. Maybe we'll have a fire movement devotee give us a call sometime. I'm sorry. I can't wrap my arms around that. Okay. And the people who actually could pull that off. One one thousandth of a percent of I, I mean, uh, wh- wh- where are the numbers? I don't I mean, know. Where are the numbers? Okay, but anyway, I, it just goes back to start early, save as much as you can, start and plan to think ahead as far as you can. Okay, and don't mess up college educations with your kids for yourself or for your kids. Okay, and spend a lot of time thinking about that. Okay, and by the way, m- at the risk of doing a plug for a sensible financial advisor, most folks probably need a little help with that to begin with anyway. I think. And I think when we were talking earlier about like the 4% rule and you know what that means and if for those people, we're talking about people retiring at normal ages, mid-60s, right, right, and right. we're talking about them living for 20 years or whatever and they got to cover that and it's like there's going to be, even in those 20 years, there's going to be things that pop up, right? Yeah. And things that, that you don't anticipate. Yeah. So if you retire at 35... 
Now you're talking about 50 years, and what are the, the odds of things popping up are a lot greater. Yep. And that, did you account for all that stuff in your projections? Uh, I, and I, I don't know how you would do that. Yeah, That's yeah. hard to do. It's real hard to do. Oh, p- p- please don't do it, folks. But pay attention. And in the 40-odd years that you have to plan for it, if you start thinking about it in year one, it's a lot better probably in terms of year 40 or whatever here. Okay, so there was one. All right, let me go next year. So we got, yeah, I, I'm looking up for a short one here. Hang on a second. Did I just lose that? Okay, here it is. Nope, no, perfect. All right, hang on a second here. This one. All right, so here's... We can probably finish up on this, but maybe not, Kirk. But we'll see. All right. This is from The Motley Fool. I don't only read Yahoo Finance, folks. Okay. Okay. And the article is the most important retirement table you'll ever see. When you start off with that... Is there an asterisk or no? No, you better come through (laughs) if you can start off with a title like that, right? That's what, yeah, that's what, I guess that's what bugs me is there's no, there are no caveats, no, this is just, they can state things like that. Yeah, okay, so I'll read a little bit of this and then we'll get to the chart, okay? And who was this? This was, uh, I don't know, one of the motley fools, I guess I don't see a name here, but anyway... I was talking to a friend of mine recently who's in her mid-40s, and she told me that she's yet to save so much as a dime in an IRA or a 401k plan, despite working full-time for most of her adult life. Her spouse, meanwhile, continues to contribute minimally to his workplace 401k, and while I don't know what his exact savings rate is, my friend confirmed that he only puts in enough money to get whatever the match is. So spouse number one, no savings. Spouse number two, minimal, late to the game here in terms of planning here. Mm. When I asked my friend why she and her spouse weren't saving more for retirement, her response was something along the lines of, I don't really think we need to. When I pushed her harder, she told me she expected their costs to be a lot lower in retirement Pardon me while I gag on that. Okay, low enough that their social security benefits would probably suffice. Let's stop here for a moment. So so these folks apparently haven't Googled social security and what your payment looks like, okay, somewhere down the line and what percentage of it. But I'll be kind and say they are financially clueless. Okay, it's getting a little bit later in the game, okay, okay, and they should have started a long time ago if they're in their 40s, but that's another reason. Okay, so let's see. Anyway, so let's move along. It was at that moment that I felt the need to give her a stern wake-up call. I explained that while, yes, she'd shed many bills in retirement, Okay, but not having to pay for childcare and downsizing is much smaller and less expensive homes. She'll be looking at, but, but the bottom line is, okay, here's the deal, folks, okay? There's this thing we referred to earlier. It's called compounding of interest, okay? And what, whatever it is that you earn on your investments at whatever percentage point, okay, okay the longer you do it, the better your chances are of building a big pot, okay? Okay, and and we could do all kinds of math here and do some exam, whatever. I got a little chart here that kind of says it all, okay? Okay, but let me skip to the end. The end is that the earlier that you start saving, regardless of how much it is, the longer you have to have those earnings compound, and compounding interest 
If you're building a retirement nest egg, it's the best thing in the world. If you're taking on a 30-year mortgage, it's the worst thing in the world. Mm. It depends on whether you're saving that or paying that when it comes to compounding of interest. But anyway, so here's the deal. <clears throat> $300 a month to a retirement savings plan, okay? 8% is the return that they used here. I'd call that maybe a little generous, but that's okay. So folks, uh, and this is radio, it's tough to do numbers over the radio, but it's pretty simple. 300 bucks a month under a retirement plan, you earn 8%. That's 3,600 bucks the first year, folks, just in case you're doing the math. So if your savings window is 20 years. Okay, yeah. All right, so let's do 65. So you start at 45 at 300 bucks a month. Take a guess. I know uh -huh. I'm blindsided you here, but go ahead. 400,000. 165. Oh, wow. 165,000 bucks. I figured 8%. Okay. Nope. 45 years old, 300 bucks a month, 8% very strong return, yeah, right. by the way. 165,000 bucks. Okay. I won't hurt you the next few no, years. No, that's okay. 25 years. Okay, so it's a 40 year old, 263,000 bucks. Okay. 30 years. Okay. That's a 35. Five-year-old, help me. Out. Yeah, the yeah. math here. Thirty years, four hundred eight thousand. Thirty-five years, six hundred twenty thousand. Forty years, nine hundred thirty-three thousand. Okay, forty-five years, one point three nine million. Fifty years, two point oh six five million. Mm. Okay, first thing. Staggering. St staggering. First thing. Okay, so this is the size of your nest egg. By the way, we're only dealing with half the issue here, folks, but this is the good half. Okay, the size of your nest egg is one thing. How much you have to take out of every year is an entirely different subject. Okay? I think, and another thing is that I picked out of yeah. that was $300 a month. Yeah. Doesn't seem like a lot, a ton of money. No, it's not for yeah. a whole lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So certainly you can say per se. So yeah. I'm just trying to think. So in 20 years... Yeah, so let's just get. So in 20 years, it's 165,000. Okay, in 40 years, it's 933. Okay, think about that, folks. Think, I, think about that. And I know you don't have these numbers yeah. in front of you, yeah. but I know we've done this math before. And if you started later, yeah. but put in like the same amount oh, oh, of money, yeah. it's nowhere near yeah. because you don't have all the years of compounding. If you, yeah, thank you. So, so if you start late and put in more, it, yeah. it's still not, it's not going to save you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Yes. Okay. So we'll come back to that in a minute and do some numbers maybe. Okay. So if you save for 20 years, it's 165000 If you save for a normal, below average working life, 40 years, it's 933000 That's like a factor of what? Five? Six? Something like that? Yeah. Okay. 165000 for 20 years. Okay. 933 for 40. Did you want to start, do it for it? And by the way, the last, the next five, it goes from 933 to a 1000000 almost a million four sort of a thing. Okay. Okay. Folks, if, if, most folks don't have a calculator to do this, but there are probably a whole bunch of online calculators that you can do. Go take a dollar amount that you're saving in your 401k if you haven't done this. Go online to some kind of calculator that, that does compounding and interest and returns and just look for yourself. Pick your time frame. And Kirk's point was absolutely on play. Okay. So if you're 45 years old and you have to play catch up, it's, I got a news flash for you. It's not three hundred dollars a month that you have. You are you doing anything? I was trying to do something. Yeah. Yeah. But when you get through with that, we'll use your numbers here. But I'll just kind of you know, fill some space until you get someplace here. But bottom line is, I got a. Do you need this? 
No, I got it. <clears throat> okay. You, you have some numbers yet? Let, no, I'm still working in, on it. Interrupt me when you're ready. Yep. Okay, folks, so my point is to play catch-up to get to the same place, it ain't $300. It's some huger number, okay, <laughs> and the number gets huger, okay, the shorter your time frame to catch up is the thing, okay? So what's the moral of the story? Save early, save often, and save for a long time and let compounding of interest do its work for you, okay? It is literally the eighth wonder of the world, and it's something that's going to get you to retirement if you pay attention to it, the thing, okay? The numbers are absolutely staggering, just staggering, okay? It, uh, yeah, so I... So what did you do there? So I, do, I doubled it. Doubled if it. If you did 600 a month yeah. for 20 years... All right, yep. What do you got? At 8%, yeah. I get about 330000 Versus 165 Yeah. Yep, more than double. Oh. But it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. No, it doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so that that's the moral of the story, compounding of interest. Yeah, that means you have to do it for a long time. Yeah. It also means that you start feeling a little bit more comfort doing that in those last few years because the jumps... The jumps in the dollar value of your portfolio are pretty significant on average every year. No, yeah, you have market ups and downs and whatever, but I think you can. You know, that's a good point, too. Like when people, when accounts are starting, people are starting their accounts. And it seems, particularly if they're not adding or not adding very much, then it doesn't seem to change very much from year to year. And they get frustrated. And so it's one of those things where you got to stick with it for a long enough period of time before you do see the big swings and the bigger jumps. Yeah. If you get to calculate it, try that. So let's just pretend, this is weird, but do th- what's the Roth contribution now? Two thousand seven. Or, I think it's seven thousand. Seven thousand, okay. or maybe seventy five hundred. No, no right. under fifty. We got two minutes. We can do uh, that. All right, sixty five hundred. All right, all right. So do sixty five hundred. By the way, pretend your kid works, okay, and earned sixty five hundred dollars. Senior, let's see, for a freshman year in college, yeah. work on to do sixty five hundred a year. Dollars. No, just once. Oh, one time. Just, okay. just once. Yep. You, you open up a Roth IRA for your kid, and you put sixty five hundred dollars in there. Yep. Okay, your kid has to work, folks. That's okay. Yep. And you earn 8% because we'd buckle up and put that in stocks. Okay. Okay. And at age, say, at age 20, just to make it round. So how many years was that? 45 years. 45 years, yeah. 45 years, okay. 207,000. Yeah, okay. So, folks, if you have a child that works, okay, and they earn 6,500 bucks, whether it's a year or two, put 6,500 bucks in a Roth IRA, have your kid close his eyes or her eyes, okay, buckle it up and put it in the stock market. We used 8%. That's a low number. And what was the number again? 207. 65. Okay, hundred. Six hundred became two hundred seven thousand. Two hundred seven thousand tax-free dollars. Okay, I will leave with time and compounding the eighth wonder of the world for investors. We'll see you next week, folks. We're being thrown off the air here. Thank you again for listening. 